Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you choose to listen to this podcast. I'm Dave Ruzicki with my producer, Nathan Rivers, and welcome to The Heart of Teaching. Today, we're going to carry on with our look at non-traditional careers. And today's episode is about as non-traditional as you're going to find. We're going to be talking about astronauts, and we're going to be talking about outer space. And it's a thrill for me to be able to interview Dr. Stephen K. Robinson. Now, he's a retired astronaut with over 36 years of distinguished service at NASA, and he's received numerous honors and awards, two of which are the NASA Outstanding Leadership Medal and the NASA Distinguished Service Medal. He's had four space shuttle missions, three on the Space Shuttle Discovery, one in 1997, and then in 1998, and again in 2005, and he's had one in February of 2010 on the Shuttle Endeavour. Get this, he's logged more than 1,156 hours and 19.8 million miles in space. That's crazy. Including over 20 hours of spacewalks, and one of which, some of you will remember, is the, uh, the repair on the Space Shuttle Discovery on the heat shield. Now, currently, Dr. Robinson is teaching mechanical aerospace engineering at University of California, Davis, which is in Sacramento. And uh, in addition to that, he's actually in a rock band with several of the uh, several other astronauts, and one of which is our own Canadian astronaut, Chris Hadfield. So this is an episode that you do not want to miss. So as usual, sit back, relax, and enjoy. So Dr. Robinson, once again, I just want to thank you so much for doing this and taking the time. I know you're you're very busy, so. Once again, I, I really appreciate this. First question: Did you always want to be an astronaut? Uh, thanks for having me, Dave. Happy to be here. And um, the answer is, yeah, I, for some reason, I think I was kind of born that way. And uh, as I was growing up, was the very earliest days of the, of the human spaceflight. And, of course, it was very fascinating to to all children. And uh, maybe I just never grew out of it. So, yes, I did. Was there, was there something that, that inspired you, like one moment that uh, you remember uh, seeing or, or reading about that you thought, well, that's for sure, this is exactly what I want to do? You know, I, I, no, I, I don't remember ever not wanting to fly. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to fly, and I wanted to know how things fly, and the ultimate flight is flying in space. And when I saw people flying in space, I thought, well, that's, that's the thing for me. So there was a, I did some research and there was a, a note that said, you've been flying since you've been 14 years old. Is that correct? Yeah, it's probably, <laughs> it seems like a long time ago, but yes, <laughs> I'm still flying. Well, was that, did you, was that uh, like a hand glider or was that like, what was the, what was the apparatus that you used when you were that young? Well, that first flight was a um, 14th birthday flight given to me by my father. Um, in a sailplane, glider. Wow. And then, uh, I think he was trying to convince me not to ride motorcycles. <laughs> and uh, what I never did tell my parents was that I kept taking glider lessons after that, um, just by using my lawnmower money, you know. Wow. And uh, I would ride my bike to the uh, to the airfield 
on a weekend and I guess I, I don't remember specifically doing this, but I guess I neglected to tell my parents I, <laughs> I was doing that. They didn't find out until long later. Yeah. Sometimes that's the best, isn't it? What they don't know isn't going to hurt them as long as it doesn't hurt you as well. <laughs> well, it was, I really wanted to do it. It was a 35 mile round trip on my bike. Wow. Um, but I got a few extra glider lessons that way. So in school, when you were in high school, and uh, obviously you would have taken all of the sciences, and, and uh, was there was there one one uh, strength in school that you had, something that you enjoyed more than anything, like physics perhaps, and was that sort of a passion of yours? Well, I sure liked math, because math was sort of this, you know, initially it seemed like a secret language right. that would allow you to do things. And uh, I was always building things, but you know, most most of them failed or broke. And when I started realizing that when you apply math to building things, which later I learned what's called engineering, wow, they don't break as often. Yeah, and I thought that that was fantastic. Wow. So you decided that you want to be an astronaut. Can you just, I mean, this is, we're talking about tens of years, but can you just sort of lead us along the journey that your path took then in order to? To get to a point where you know you were you were uh, perhaps at NASA, and I, if you can do that very quickly in a summary, I don't want to take too much of your time. Well, it wasn't a very straight path; it was a crooked path, um, and uh, you know I wasn't single-minded. I always had this dream of flying in space, but I had lots of other interests too, and I think you know most kids are that way. Right. So as I pursued. Uh, college education. Yeah, I, I did major in aeronautical engineering, but um, I briefly changed my major to art. And um, I was very active as a musician. I thought maybe I'd have a career in music, maybe a career in graphic arts, maybe wow. a career in engineering. Wow. And um, I got to work at NASA actually as a college student. And that uh, was you know, very exciting and kind of a dream come true. Yes. Um, and I was working with a group that was designing the heat shield for the space shuttle before the space shuttle first flew. Wow. So that, uh, that was really getting dipped in the sauce that I love very much there. Um, when I, and then I graduated and went to graduate school, stayed with NASA, did a bunch of, worked at a lot of different places in NASA. And all along, I, I was applying for the astronaut program, but it took me 12 years of being turned down before I finally was accepted. Really? Yeah, it was a long, long process. So along that route then, Dr. Robinson, the some of the challenges you would have had then was just, I suppose, just the rejection, if I'm not mistaken, when that would be in some of them? Oh, yeah. It was really demoralizing sometimes to think that, you know, the the very dream I wanted most. Apparently nobody else thought I should have it. <laughs> but later, you know, now I look back and I think, well, number one, maybe you have a big dream. You may not think that's a good thing. Maybe you have more than one. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. You may not get it if it's a big enough dream, but pursuing it, at least for me, pursuing it made my life better. You know, I pushed myself self do things maybe I wouldn't do, to excel more, to meet people I never could have otherwise. And so the pursuit of the dream itself was, in the 
again, it's on reward. So that kept me going. That's uh, that's pretty inspirational. I mean, you to to continue on pursuing what is a passion. I mean, that's 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 inspirational. Did you along the way? Did you have any mentors, people that had perhaps helped you or perhaps supported you in your journey? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I say, passion plus a hard head can really get you places, um, but not not quickly. <laughs> right. Um, Yes, I had some wonderful teachers in, in, in my life um, that made a huge difference, who encouraged me to to learn more. Not to stop trying to do impossible things, because I always was trying to do impossible things. Um, the teachers that inspired me the most were the ones who said, well, you don't know enough to be, that's why it's impossible, so you need to learn more. And those were the teachers that made a huge difference at every stage of my life, even after I became an astronaut. Was when you're when you're pursuing your passion. Was there ever a point when you you kind of questioned your decision? Was there a point when you said, you know, I? Oh I, yeah, oh lots of them. Yeah. Well, you know, when everyone else questions what you're doing, you can't help but question it too. Right. But I look at it this way, Dave. I have in my files a bunch of rejection letters of various sorts. Right. And now, sorry for the noise. Now I, I consider those rejection letters sort of, you know, badges of courage. <laughs> you know, they are. If you're getting rejection letters, you're pushing your own limits. What a great way of looking at things. What a great way of looking at things. And obviously, you pursued, you continued on, and, and uh, I mean, I've, as I said, I've done some, I've done the research and all your accomplishments and all your honors. Is is there any honor or accomplishment that you're most proud of? When you look back on your career, which is which is phenomenal, I think the thing I'm most proud of is that the people that gave me the knowledge, the confidence, picked me up when I was not feeling confident, that I made them proud. That's that's my best accomplishment, I think. Wow, that's inspirational. You had, um, I'm going to just briefly talk about your missions. So you had four of the missions. The third one in 2005 was on the Discovery. And um, the the heat shield there stopped working. I mean, I'm not even going to talk about the technical term. That was an unscheduled walk, is if I'm not mistaken. You weren't scheduled to go and do that spacewalk, were you? Well, I was scheduled to do a different kind of spacewalk, but not an emergency one to fix the heat shield. No, <laughs> that was... So you know, you just can't plan that kind of fun. So what was going, th what was going through your head? I mean, I'm, now I'm I'm very curious. I mean, there's there's a problem out of space. You can't you can't phone a mechanic to say, hey, we need a hand. You've got to fix this. Was there ever a point when you were leaving when you thought, you know, I may not be able to get back in here at some at some moment? No, not really. It was true, but you don't think about that. You know, you think forward. I mean, the point of being an ast an astronaut is to do things that no one. Else has done before and uh, that's the nature of the job and so when it came time for us to do this uh, emergency repair that no one had done before frankly our reaction on board uh, on board discovery was hey cool we get to do something totally new i wonder how we're gonna do this <laughs> oh let me tell you you're you're about 100 steps away from yeah good for you I'm telling you, I'm, I'm certainly glad there are people like you in the world. 
I'm not sure I would have the same courage. That's, that's for certain. In, in all of those missions that you've done, is there one thing that stood out for you more than others? And again, you've gone through, you've had four, four incredible uh, missions in the space uh, stations. Is there any one that stood, has stood out? There's so many, you know, I think one of the, one of the greatest experiences since it, for most astronauts, an absolutely, you know, lifelong dream, dream coming true is to be an experienced astronaut and fly with somebody who's making their very first flight. And you watch, you witness somebody's lifelong dream come true before your eyes. Boy, that's a privilege. Wow. I, uh, yeah, I admire, I admire your, uh, your view, the way you, you look at the world and the way you, uh, you observe things. Yeah, that's, that's well, remarkable. I'll tell you one, one other thing here, Dave. Um, when I was a kid, one of my big heroes was John Glenn, um, one of the very first astronauts and the first, first American to orbit the Earth. Yes. And, uh, you know, all kids idolized the early astronauts. And, um, Josh, I used to draw pictures of John Glenn's rocket. I was John Glenn. I was dressed up as John Glenn for Halloween one time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, if you recall, John Glenn, at the age of 77, yes. got to fly on the space shuttle. Yes. And so 35 years after all that hero, you know, little kid hero worship, 35 years later, I'm strapped into the space shuttle ready for launch, and John Glenn is sitting next to me. <laughs> Now that was an amazing circumstance. That was in. Was that not? That was the second. Was that not the second mission uh, on the? Uh, was it the Discovery in '98? Is that when he went up with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was his second mission. Wow. <laughs> that to to be able to make a contribution like that and to be with the person that was your idol is uh, that's remarkable. <laughs> experience and you know how it is um, when you're a kid if you idolize somebody you know maybe you should never meet them but John Glenn was one of the finest humans I ever did meet he lived up to any expectation I had in terms of just fine qualities in a human being and a total gentleman that's uh, yeah that's that that is that's incredible, and I know exactly what you mean. I've coached football. I certainly am not in the same category as you, but there were people that I admired, and I did meet one, and I was very disappointed. And I'm just as you said. I thought I know exactly what you mean. I wish I would never have had the conversation because I wish I would have kept him on the pedestal. But you know, for you, what a positive, what a positive experience. If yes, you taught me a lot. If there's and there's going to be a lot of my students, young people and parents, if young people want to follow in your path, what would you advise them? What, what should they do? Well, you know, um, whether this is, you know, if your dream is flying in space, your dream is, you know, being a great uh, sports person or a doctor or, you know, an opera singer with or the best mom or dad that's ever walked the surface of the earth. You know, these dreams don't come easy. It's it's important to persist. Um, it's important to share because it's the, you know a dream that big is never about just you. you bring others along with you. Um, and just I won't say never give up. I mean, there's times in life when you should <laughs> bark up the wrong tree and maybe you should stop. 
Right. But don't give up too early. You have more in you than you know. And test that. Find out what's really in there. And that'll keep you going on your dream. That's inspirational. That's inspirational. I have to ask you, you must have, you must, you must have been a keynote speaker at, at several different functions, if I'm not mistaken, because this, this transcends just being an astronaut. This, this is part of being a good person, but being successful and understanding the keys to success. So you've, you've, you know, in, in these kind of things, you sort of have to be very aware. You try as hard as you can, but there's also a lot of luck involved. <laughs> I think most people have been fortunate enough to go into space are really aware that boy are they lucky because it's not just because they're some some kind of extra special good they were at the right place at the right time right right gonna ask you a question and i know your time is valuable so kind of a kind of a, a final question here for you sir so through all of these honors and all of your career, is there one specific lesson? And I, you've probably you've alluded to all of these different things. Is there one key that you could pass on to the students? You know, you've just listed a, a whole a whole bunch of different things well, as well. Okay, so here's something. Yeah, I've been a teacher for the last eight years. Right. And here's something I never fully appreciated until I became a teacher, which you know, after 38 years, very well, Dave. Which is teachers learn from the students at least as much as the students learn from the teachers. You're so correct. It, it's a relationship, you know, it's a give-take um, relationship that is not just one way. And I don't know that, you know, in a lifetime of being a student, that I ever really realized the magnitude of that until I became a teacher. That's, uh, that, that's, so, uh, that's so inspirational. I mean, and, and it is true. I believe that. I think every time I step into a classroom, as you've just suggested, the students teach me something. And I learn something from each and every one of one of them. So that's very inspirational. Before I let you go, how are you doing at uh, UC Davis? Are you enjoying that? I mean, we're in a COVID, we're in a whole different world, but obviously prior, pre-COVID, how was the uh, the classroom? Did you enjoy that? Is I mean, it's so different than being on the uh, on, in with the Nassau program. Oh, this is my dream job. It is. It really is. Yeah, yeah, it's my dream job. I always hoped I would get a chance to do this. And, and um, it, I, I think it brings together and kind of integrates everything I've ever done in my life. Right. And yet, probably the hardest job I've ever had. And it never ends. You know, no matter what I know today, it's not enough. I need to know more by tomorrow. And... Uh, it's, it's, it's really an exciting and motivating and rewarding and difficult thing to do. And frankly, you know, in, in COVID times and we're all, you know, remote, I've had changes in in uh, environment like that before. That doesn't really bother me. You're a lifelong learner, and I think that's, that's very, very clear. And that's why you're so successful. Now, I'm going to let you go. One more question. I, I know I've got just a couple of seconds here. Um, You've got so many things that you're interested. You've got you're interested, obviously, in, in planes and all of those things. But I understand kayaking, hiking. I understand you were a DJ at one point. Is that correct? You were a, you worked at the radio station oh, on yeah. campus. And you when were. I first got out of college. I was a morning DJ. You can imagine how excited my parents were about that. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is so polarizing. From 
you know, fixing a heat shield in, you know, millions of miles in space and being a morning DJ, right? Like, Oh, well, I'll tell you what, it was great training because I spent uh, on and off about 15 years in Marathon's mission control being the, the voice that spoke to the astronauts in space. It was just like being a morning DJ. It was great. <laughs> it to be the perfect background. Yeah, except on steroids. Plus, I mean, it's a, well, a, the cost of making mistakes was a little higher. So. <laughs> a different target audience for sure. And you were also yeah. you were also graphic artist. So do you paint? Do you, do you like paint on the side and and things like that? Yeah, I sure do try. Um, I. I was kind of the lead designer for all of my mission patches um, that, I, that I flew, so I got to exercise wow. that, that little bit. That's a fun fact. That's an awesome yeah. fun fact. And the band that you're playing in, is it, is it called Max Q? Is that correct? Well, there's two bands. One's called Max Q, and it's a rock and roll band made of astronauts. Right. The other one is called Bandella, which is a an acoustic band and made of mostly astronauts, so it's uh, Katie Coleman, Dan Burbank, Mickey Pettit, whose husband is an astronaut, and uh, Chris Hatfield. The Canadian, the Canadian astronaut. Yeah. There you go. Now, do you, I, I listened to another podcast that you're on, so you actually perform around California, is that correct, or the Sacramento area? Well, we, every year we try to perform at least one or two places, and, um, we try to do it in a different different location every summer. So we've we've played up uh, up in uh, Ontario. We've played in Massachusetts. We played in Texas. Played in California. And so once we can once we can travel and play again, uh, we'll have to decide where we want to go. Wow, you know what? I uh, I appreciate the time. I mean, I think that. Some people will look at someone that has as much knowledge as you and as much success and, and perhaps think that you've always been just focused on the sciences, but the fact that you're uh, sort of a renaissance man, you've done a little bit of everything and how you've drawn everything together in order to be successful, that's, that's an inspiration that's remarkable. Dr. Robinson? Well, I had to become an engineer because I really wasn't that good at playing guitar. <laughs> I mean, had I been a totally talented guitar player, maybe everything would have been different. It worked out okay. Well, you know what? Without without sounding mean-spirited here, I'm kind of glad that you uh, that you weren't maybe at that time, and I mean, you're probably underselling yourself. I'm kind of glad that you were the fellow that was in space fixing that heat shield because, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, everything would have ended up on the right side. But I'm glad that you were the one out there doing the right things. So, all right, thank you very much, Dave. Thank you very much, Dr. Robinson. You know what? All the success. Please be well. Be safe, and uh, again, I can't express anymore how much I appreciate all the time that you put in. So all the best to you, all right? All right, thanks, and congratulations on your 38 years and your whatever you decide to retire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, Dr. Robinson. Right. Thank you very much. That'll conclude today's episode, and wow, what a ton of takeaways. I'd like to thank Dr. Stephen Robinson once again for taking the time, but more than just that, allowing us to better understand how important perseverance and dedication to a goal are. What an inspirational and a motivational journey. This is Dave Rizicki with Nathan Rivers. This has been The Heart of Teaching. Thanks for listening. Take care, be well, and as always, peace.